Hi everyone. Today I want to talk about long-term disability in the age of the second wave. My name is Yafa Sakaja and I'm the CEO of Beneplan. So I've looked at our block of business this year. And when I say this year, I mean calendar year 2020. And I've looked at the LTD incidence rate. The incidence rate is how many people became disabled out of a thousand. And our rates have plummeted. Like our rates have historically been anywhere from three disabled lives per thousand to six disabled lives per thousand. And I've heard some insurers range between five and eight per thousand. But this year we're looking at two, 2.7 disabled lives per thousand, which is historically low for our block. I mean, even in like the good old days, we were never that low. And um, I was just kind of comparing notes with another partner I have who also has a large block. And they were also saying that they're looking at a historically low number. And so, you know, what I wanted to do is kind of give my own prediction for where disability rates are going to go in 2021, because I think that will arm you with the talking points that you're going to need at renewal both from a negotiating standpoint with the carrier, but also in talking to your customers about this. Um, and so do I think that insurance companies are actually going to decrease rates on LTD? Mm, no, definitely not. Um, I think they're actually going to slam us on LTD. And there's five main thoughts that I have here. Um, the first really obvious thought is, well, because of COVID, people just simply have not been reporting um, any symptoms other than, I mean, not symptoms, but when you're talking to a, um, a, do- a doctor, like, you know, how many people have you seen? How many people have you diagnosed? You know, we know that there are studies out there that are public from reputable sources about how there's a plummet in number of diagnoses. You know, some doctors have said, well, <clears throat> they've only actually diagnosed 50% of the cancer that they normally do, or 40% of the heart disease, or even the depression. And part of that is because people are warehousing their illnesses. They're not going in and seeking care unless it's absolutely necessary because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so that's really big. I mean, what we saw in SARS, uh, 2003 was that people did the same thing. They were told by public health officials, you know, stay away from hospitals. Don't go into a healthcare facility unless you absolutely need to. And then, you know, in that year we had a record high surplus, but in the following year we got slammed with a lot of people that, you know, we finally got those hospital claims and those big cancer claims, those MS claims, because people just, it was almost like they were sitting on the sidelines and it's worse because then, you know, every month that goes by that you're not addressing these issues with therapies, it becomes worse and obviously more chronic. So that's a big, big reason why I think insurance companies, while we see lower claims paid in 2020, they're going to be increasing their IBNR. And if you remember the earlier episode on IBNR, it's incurred but not reported claims, which basically means that there is a disability out there that is covered, except it just hasn't been reported yet. So, you know, I could have developed cancer, God forbid, in you know March of 2020, but I might not, not know about it until after I've been vaccinated and go in for full preventative health screening. Um, the second thing is interest rates. I mean, interest rates were already at historic lows before the pandemic and they've just continued to fall. And so that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the chairman of each insurance company is saying, you know what, I don't care what you need to do, increase those reserves because we need to make money off the reserves. We need to invest money and earn interest. And so since the, you know, they're required by law to keep a certain amount of reserve in order to be on side as an insurance company. And if you don't have the interest rate to get you there, they're going to need larger underlying capital and assets to get there. Um, it also means that you're going to need more capital to pay the more disability claims that you can just predict are coming through the pipeline. 
So there's that. Um, the next one are layoffs. And so what we've noticed throughout our time, you know, we've lived through three recessions as a cooperative, uh, we really have noticed that in recessionary periods, there's always a bit of, um, almost like a waiting room for claims because when somebody is first put on temporary layoff, they're not sure if they're going to come back to work or not. But once they are handed that final pink slip, they're also, because it's Canadian employment standards in Canada, at least depending upon where you're listening to us, um, Canada does require that you extend benefits by law during the notice period. So if you're giving someone two weeks working notice, you've got to extend benefits during those two weeks. And then what's worse is that, you know, we have a legal climate here that's very much for in favor of the employee. So we're pro labor in our kind of common law and our employment legislation. And, you know, we're noticing new precedents whereby people are retroactively awarded larger severances because, you know, this happened recently with the Hudson's Bay company. If they paid somebody 11 months severance, This was right before COVID. So they let them go before the pandemic. Here's your 11 month severance benefits and everything bonus. But because of the pandemic, it made it much harder for that person to find work. Well, that extends it to an 18 month period severance period. And so I think if employers are trying to be cautious and conservative, they're going to be thinking about that. And the more you extend that window of claiming, um, the more people are just going to say, Hey, I just lost my job. I better submit all the claims I need to. And inevitably disability is part of that. Um, people are going to look for every potential income stream that they can, if they're about to lose their job permanently. So that's, that's really difficult. Um, the la- the fourth one is mental health. So we know that mental health is typically a percentage of all disability claims on our block. It's actually only 16% of claims. So I thought that's a little bit low. Um, but some blocks have as much as 30% towards mental health, which is quite a lot. When I say mental health, I'm lumping in both like depression, anxiety, um, you know, as long, as well as the major bipolar, schizophrenic disorders and other. So we know that mental health is a big issue this year. It's only going to continue to exasperate the blocks. And I think that's why insurers are holding their breath and bracing for impact for when we go back to quote unquote normal and people start to try to reacclimatize, like to what extent are people going to be able to resume work under the normal circumstances? But I have another theory. This is my own personal Yaffa theory. Like I'm just smoking a pipe over here by myself. And I think a big reason why we didn't get as many LTD claims is because we're in remote work. And I say that because I think in remote work, people are less triggered from the aggravators in their workplace. And I mean, part of that is, um, part of that is definitely, you know, if you don't like your boss and you have to see them all the time, or if maybe your office is, your desk is just beside the washroom and people have to walk by you all the time and flush and you hear that, like all of those little things that might eat away at your soul a little bit in a workplace. And depending upon whether people thrive in a workplace or they're really more introverts and they prefer to be left alone, I actually wonder if one of the other side effects as to why disability claims are so low for 2020 is just literally, you know, the workplace issues that might've normally transpired, which commingle with disabilities. Like I'll tell you, um, we've heard disability case managers who work on our own block, tell us that 
you know, they think up to 50% of disability claims have some sort of workplace component, like workplace stress, or maybe there was conflict. And, you know, I've even heard people use the worm words, uh, dumping ground, like LTD can be a dumping ground for workplace issues when they're not properly handled. Um, so I honestly wonder about where we're going to go from here, but I think people, you know, insurance companies are definitely not going to stop wanting to increase LTD premiums. And obviously it's our job as advisors and benefits professionals to fight back because you're trying to drive down what your customer is paying. So I think some of the ammunition you can use are really just looking at the real data, like look at the five-year history of your own client and advocate on behalf of your client. Um, you obviously never want to threaten to switch unless it's a real situation, but unfortunately shopping the market always tends to magically move the underwriter's pen a little bit <laughs> in favor of your customer. Um, but then there's also, you know, do some research on there, like take a look at, do you have disability cases? What's the root cause of them? Are they soft tissue? Are they low back pain? Um, can you work with the insurer to say, you know what, we will commit as professionals to try to reduce the root cause, um, maybe invest in some mental health resources, invest in some ergonomic equipment at work. Um, I know that none of that is really tangible in the immediate term, but it can definitely help show that you're coming to the table um, for the insurer to shoot. Okay, it's a two-way street. We're not just doing this by ourselves. Um, you also want to say, you know what, don't paint us all with the same brush. Like our, our customers different, our business is different. Look at us differently. For example, if you've had an essential business that has never had to stop working, um, if they're in person, well, you know, they're not lumped in with everybody else because they're effectively living the same reality as they were. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch for some cases, but um, and then finally looking at, well, how do you nip things in the bud? Like, are the managers trained? Do they know how, have they gone through sensitivity training? Um, are the managers provided with the adequate resources they need to lead a team or are they just simply, um, you know, cracking the whip and making their team working overtime? Um, there's a lot you can do. I think if you look at LTD as not just like a discrete disability in a box, you have to look at it as, you know, what's the culture of the business? What's the relationship between management and the employees? Is it unionized? Is it non-unionized? Is this a fast growing workplace? Um, and you know what, aside from that, I just simply wish you all the best of luck. We're going to be trying our hardest to also keep premiums as low as possible on our end. Um, but if you have any thoughts on this topic, please feel free to let us know. Um, you can write to us. Our website is benaplan.ca and you can find us on all social channels. Um, but we do check our LinkedIn if you're sending us a message there. So thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon.